This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all. Daily, weekly, and season-long best ball tournaments that are literally happening 365 days a year. Plus, you can play their pick and prop games. You get five picks right, and you win 20 times your money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code TNFF, and you will get a 100% deposit match on your first deposit up to $100. Enough about that. I am your host, Gymnastic. You can find me on Twitter at GoldJacketQBs. I am joined, as always, by the other host of this show, the East Coast Destroyer. Connor Archibald Donald. I have no idea if that's his real middle name. Who cares? He can be found on Twitter at Connor10. That is T-E-N, not a one zero, no binary. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. YouTube, if you're watching now, thank you. It's the TNFF Network. Leave a comment, like, subscribe. It's all there. And on the internet, truenorthffb.com. Check it out. That website is bumping. Tonight, we start. No, tonight we are doing number two of our four-week dive into the winners and losers of the post-draft fantasy landscape at each position, rookies and veterans. Today, we're talking about the running back. It's who you should consider buying, who you should consider selling, and a lot of strategy talks as this offseason continues to roll on. But first, what is up, Connor? I need to catch my breath. Absolutely. You take a moment there, man. Not, not much is up. I, uh, I'm pumped to talk some running backs, most important position in fantasy. Although that's becoming more debatable with every year and every draft class, I honestly do believe. But um, it is one of the most important positions, and it's one that always has the most discussion around it as the landscape continues to change um in fantasy land and teams using multiple running backs so let's waste no time and dive right into it so that we can squeeze as much into this hour as humanly possible and we will kick it off with perhaps the biggest loser of the entire weekend and that is michael carter um, the New York Jets obviously went off and drafted Brees Hall, the unanimous 101 in rookie drafts, or pretty much unanimous 101 in rookie drafts. And Brees Hall is a true three down back. I think this makes Carter maybe the third down change of pace role, depending how much they need him versus Brees Hall and what he can do for them. Um, and I have a question after we that I will ask after we talk that, that really has me intrigued about this class in particular. Let's start with the reaction to Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Michael Carter was one of those guys who you kind of could have, should have seen this potentially coming if the right opportunity came for the Jets to pounce on a, a rookie running back or a free agent running back. Michael Carter came out with some decent hype. But Michael Carter was not this like for sure thing three down running back because he split the backfield with Javonta Williams at North Carolina and Javonta Williams was the true three down running back that you wanted to have. And he kind of showed that last year uh, in glimpses with uh, sharing that backfield with Melvin Gordon in Denver. What do you think about Michael Carter? Has he pretty much lost almost all that? To me, he's like Naheem Hines. He's a Naheem Hines to Jonathan Taylor. Oh, you're insane. You're insane right now. So before I say that uh, <laughs> and go further into that more often, let's play a little game of 101s and top and top 12, okay? JT, where do you rank him in your top 12? He was a 101 pick, right? J JT's 101. Generational talent, right? 100%. He's, a, he's an so, animal. 
So he was a one-on-one or a rookie draft. Where do you have him in your top 12? He's number one. He's my RB1. Oh, wow. Without okay, perfect. Perfect. Um, Najee Harris, where are you ranking him in your top 12? I haven't fully gone through my ranks, but he's definitely, he's top six. He's definitely wow. top six. Okay. Um, it's a workload, Brees man. It's a workload. You can't Okay. It. I mean, it's a shitty fucking metric on his workload, but okay. And he has a quarterback with that doesn't have a, exactly the mentality that Ben Grandroth had, but okay. Um, Brees Hall, where are you ranking him in your top 12? He's tail end of the top 12 for me because oh, he doesn't even make top 12 for me. I like I and like I haven't dove into completely, so I can't speak fully to it. But I think he'd barely no make my top twelve. All right, now let's go uh, next year's one hundred and one. Uh, let's say Bijan Robinson, Robinson, a right? generational talent again. Where are you putting him in your top twelve? Oh, he's definitely without a doubt a top twelve. He's probably going to go into the top eight. Okay, so what I'm trying to allude here is. Not all classes are created equal. Not all one-on-ones are created equal. So just because the hype of one-on-one on Brees Hall is there, do not get that faded. Michael Carter can hold his own with Brees Hall. And if dudes want to give me that Michael Carter flex play, I'm going to happily eat it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to keep it on my thing. He's a guy that I actually want. I don't consider him the biggest loser on this list. Not at all, man. Uh, loser in the eyes of fantasy world, absolutely. But I think there is enough meat on the bone, especially if this Jets offense is what uh, at least I think it's going to be. And a couple guys that I, that I'm talked to, uh, you know, in the in the in the DMs, think, uh, you know, you got you got Zach Wilson, uh, you got uh, Garrett Wilson, you got that Wilson Wilson connection. Uh, you got <laughs> you got Elijah Moore, you got uh, sexy balls. He's throwing a Ty Conklin. Uh, now you got a two-headed monster in the backfield with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Because <clears throat> guys always just want to throw people under the bus here. And, like, Michael Carter, what he did is he showed that he could do a job well for an NFL team. So thinking that he's going to just be kicked to the curb I think is insane. I think you're going to see more of, like, maybe a 60-40, 70-30 split. Yeah, maybe uh, it, it favors Brees Hall earlier on or later on in the season but like there's going to be meat on those bones man there's going to be some uh meat with those potatoes you know if you know what i'm saying and and guys are going to be giving michael carter away as cheap as they are uh i'm going to be pouncing on there's another running back we're going to be talking about later as well uh that i also think is is a pretty big big winner whereas people are not seeing him as as such but that that's my take on it man like if, if you're really rolling with these jets fucking offense man like there's enough meat on that bone and and the other thing sorry connor i mean this is the first one i'm diving into a rant already uh we believe that that the that the nfl is going to be more running back by committee correct so if that's the case what are we scared of if you think you just got that the, that lead dog for for that out al- or the alpha mentality for that for that running back room uh, you already found a guy that can be be a compliment there. So what are you scared of anyway right now? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Brees Hall's not Jonathan Taylor. You had Jonathan Taylor at the 101. You had Brees Hall trailing off in the top 12. Depends the on where opposites. you look. No, if, no. Look at, like, I got where These were your rankings were for the dynasty. Mm-hmm. So in the top 12, they are complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Literally complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. So like the Naheem Himes, uh, or sorry, the the Robin to the Batman, and and who's the alpha in that in that room? Totally different, totally different. And Naheem Himes does a pretty nasty job of bye week fillers, baby. When you got some injuries happening, he's a guy that you might, <laughs> you might want to be you might want to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry about the rant, my friend. I just I just think at this point there's meat on the bones, but. Okay, my, my issue with the New York Jets situation, nobody wants Zach Wilson, but everyone wants a piece oh, I... of every piece. I know me and you do, but everybody <laughs> wants a piece of the weaponry. So who who takes the loss? Somebody, one of these weapons that you're acquiring has to take a loss if you don't believe in Zach Wilson. And that that's the issue that I'm having with this circumstance is there's all this hype built around this New York Jets offense, but nobody wants Zach Wilson. Everybody's like, oh, I wouldn't take him in my top 12. 
how's he going to sustain all these weapons? How's he sustaining two top 24 wide receivers if you think it's there? How's he sustaining a top 12 tight end? How's he sustaining two top 24 running backs? Like, how is that sustainable? Like, everybody wants to rank these guys seven. And that seems to be the direction. (laughs) And, but so for us, Michael Carter may not necessarily be a full on loser. But when you look at the circumstance, it paints that way because Brees Hall, if you look at the MFL ADP on Rotoviz, is going RB5 in startups. RB5. You know where Michael Carter is right now? RB30. Like, this is absurd. 24, 27, yeah. Like, this Um, is absurd. And even if it's the – do people forget the value on a – what is the value on a carry versus a target plus what, 1 point times 1.62, is that? I can't remember the exact number, but there's – or 1.64 or something. Exactly. A target is worth so much more. So even if you say Brees Hall takes the carries, then that's fine if Brees Hall takes the carries. If the targets are going the direction of Michael Carter, where he was most effective last year, when you look at Michael Carter last season, he wasn't overly effective, and he was fighting with some of those other running backs that were in the room, that mess of running backs uh, that were in the room. I think that things can actually become better for Michael Carter because it's more defined. Like you were kind of saying, there's going to be a more defined room. You're not splitting with who was there, Tevin Coleman, um for a bit there uh ty johnson was there there. for a bit uh like there was just this weird mix and array of running backs this defines the roles for Brees hall and michael carter and if you're gonna sit there and tell me that i could get michael carter as the rb30 and he can be the third one that i'm adding onto my roster or the fourth one that i'm adding onto my roster that that's great i think i personally in a startup i'm waiting for michael carter Brees Hall at RB5. Wait until, like you said, wait until this class comes in next year. This class next year, I can guarantee Brees Hall will likely drop it at the top 12 for ADP. As soon as this class drops in next year. On on the flip coin of that, like, I'm not shitting on Brees Hall. It's it's more the cost of acquisition uh, Mm -hmm. versus the talent. Uh, I think... Going forward, I think there's three guys in this class that have job security in 2023 that have significant roles in 2023 on their teams. They might add another another running back to join them in 2023, but I don't see it really being a stud. And even if it is a stud, I think the talent on these three guys is going to end up being clear enough because uh, the second guy on that list is, is the guy we're going to end up talking about. Right fucking now one minute Uh, hold the phone i do want to ask this question because i do think it's a real question that needs to be asked especially in regards to guys like tyler algier damian pierce who are getting hyped up because they have this golden opportunity could there be a lot of running backs drafted this season who could end up in a similar situation to michael carter with a much better 2023 running back class do you think a lot of this hype is getting out of control to the point that guys who are taking Damian Pierce, like I've seen Damian Pierce going in round one, oh, top yeah, end of top of top of round two. And I've seen him there's a real, very realistic chance. If Bijan Robinson is there next season at a good point for the Texans, they will 100% pounce on that opportunity. And then Damian Pierce is nothing but an afterthought. Oh yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with you on that, Connor. Um, but that doesn't say that you can't hit with a third round pick or second round pick in this draft class and turn them around for some sexy numbers. Like you can Agreed. hit that Tyler Algier in the in the second two oh six two oh seven range. He has a nice Q few three four five game pop, and uh, you flip him even for whatever a player in a second uh, in twenty twenty three. Man. This class in 2022, the first feel like seconds in any other class. Does that does that feel right to you? Like you know what I mean? Like this Brees Hall feel, this Brees Hall 101 pick feels more like a 108, 109 to me. Like this is a guy talent wise, most draft class or at least the last three or four would be fallen to like I said 108, 109. But well, I think that there's. I think there's a big thing too that a lot of people are discounting in this class 
the impact of the quarterback position, the the idea that there was so few, there's one unanimous, arguably one unanimous, I don't think it's an argument, but there's one unanimous QB going in the first round. That should be Kenny Pickett, that this Malik Willis should going be. in the Sometimes first round. Malik Willis. Yeah, this Malik Willis in the first <laughs> round is, is a little outlandish in my opinion. But to me, like, that's the thing. Brees Hall is probably a second round pick in other classes. You say 108, 109, I say second rounder because you'd normally well, see three. I said four, it feels like a second round class. Exactly. I said it feels like a like a like a second round pick, but like mm-hmm. you know, safely like his like his ceiling's a 108 to me. In like a, in a regular Definitely. class, I feel like I'm not reaching for a guy like him. Like he feels like a Javante Williams type of a guy that would that would that would fall down to like the 107, 107, 8. Nine. Man, what has happened with my computer? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I just wanted to talk about that because I think that they're like you can go in and you can get Algier, you can get Damian Pierce. I personally think it would be a great opportunity to let them that the hype build up, see some games, get some fantasy production, and then you flip the guy because I think there's way. But I would wait. I would flip one of those two running backs for a 2023 second in a harpy if the opportunity presented itself to make that move. And there might be people who are willing to buy higher on them if they really think that there's something there. But I just think there's a golden opportunity to take some of these people and flip some of these people from this draft class and create better draft capital for yourself in a 2023 class that say you have a need at quarterback. This quarterback class is clearly going to be a lot better. Is there likely overcompensation? likely but that doesn't rule out that there's cj stroud there's bryce young there's there's ones that should be almost sure thing hits for you that doesn't discount that fact but you have to just make sure you go for the things that everyone is most confident (coughs) in rather than try and reach like if you're sitting there at 107 108 and one of those reachable names like one of the names would be like tyler van dyke comes into play and you're sitting there and you're like i like the, the tools he has Maybe that's not the spot to reach. Maybe that's where you start taking the running backs. But there are guys you can definitely justify in super flex leagues next year. You're going to be able to justify three, four, maybe even five quarterbacks next season. So, See, and because of that, actually, Connor, I think if you're building your team right now and you're looking at the draft picks and you're trying to flip these guys like Tyler Algiers and Damian Pierce, just if you guys really want to look for a, a quick dynasty tip and you want to flip them for those seconds, those firsts, whatever you end up getting in your stockpile on those picks. Say you are a guy that, that's been uh, screenshotting on the Dynasty Nerds website or or uh, or uh, the Fantasy Pros website or whatever else, flashing those 8, 20, 23 firsts. Your end game shouldn't be using them all. I'll tell you right fucking now, your end game should not be using them all. Your end game should be trading those away when the rookie hype hits. Rookie hype hit this year on this class that we were just saying is a second round class. Do you understand what's going to happen with that rookie pick? If you need the quarterbacks, then like you building your like you build your team now, and then like you flip one or two for for a decent quarterback. Three, if you have like four or five uh, first rounders, if you're that guy flexing, uh, doesn't matter. And actually, that's something that I did in a league actually last year. I built my team up real nice. Um, I was a little hurting at wide receiver. I had five first round picks going in, not this year, but it was in the last year, 2021. Uh, and I ended up flipping those picks for, uh, I think it was like Keenan Allen, CD Lamb, and uh, Stefan Diggs. And completely, it's a start three wide receiver league. I revamped my wide receiver room. I have good wide receivers on my bench, like Deontay Johnson. Um, Plus Michael Pittman, like guys that can pop, you know what I mean. But uh, I got I got three stud guys now, like that. That's the way I think you do it, right? Like you build up the picks, you wait until like a couple weeks before the draft when like shit is popping. They all got landing spots. You're getting hyped to end up picking this this rookie class, and then you just start flipping them for core guys, man, and build your team Agreed. like that. Proven proven value over uh, potential expectation. Agreed. I love that. I uh, love that point in there. You'll get a nice strategy advice that has almost nothing to do with the running back position. So that's for right, it, it works anyway. It works at any position, Connor. Any position Agreed. you want to end up fucking Agreed. dealing with it. Agreed. Um, next up on the list, I have the duo 
of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in Vegas. Um, Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option was declined by the Raiders right before the draft. And Kenyon Drake's in the last year of his contract at the age of 20. He'll be 29 at the end of next season. And then Zamir White was drafted in round four. Um, Jacobs has had three straight seasons of top 24 uh, production in per-game output, which is great. Sadly, for real-life football, he has had two straight decline in seasons. In 2019, he averaged over 100 yards per game. Two years later, he's just over 80, despite a top-10 opportunity. And his efficiency metrics are just lacking beyond belief. So they that has put the Raiders in a situation where they've opted to decline, and they went and drafted early day three. Draft capital was near white. And then there's Drake, who fractured his ankle late last season. His fantasy points per opportunity ranked 10th. His opportunities, unfortunately, rank in the 50s. So really, it doesn't mean much to you if he's getting limited opportunities, but he's doing a lot with that li- very, very limited opportunity. Um, a negative game script rank- that ranked 23rd in the NFL attributed to the 28th-ranked rush attempts last season, which was 23.8 total rush attempts per game. But the game script was worse in 2020, and they ran the ball up five more times per game. So I think that speaks volumes to what's going on in that backfield. The fact that despite having a worse game script two years ago, they were running the ball even less with a slightly better game script this past season. And now they have more weaponry coming in with like Devontae Adams and stuff. I don't, what is your t- overall feeling of this backfield? Obviously, we're Zamir White fans. We've talked about Zamir White a lot. But at Love the end of the him. day, what about Jacobs and Drake? I mean, Drake, you should be moving off of Drake if you haven't already. I mean, that's a 29-year-old running back. It's about time you – Brother, you should have been off moving off that. Jacobs, in my opinion, right off the bat. Uh, he was the declining asset, and he's been shown to be a declining asset. Uh the Raiders did exactly what I thought they were going to do with them, which is run them into the ground and be done with them. Four years and gone. See you later. Um, Samir White is candidate number two of this 22 class that I think has a significant role in 2023 or path to a significant role in 2023 on his current team, which is the Las Vegas Raiders for those points that you did point out there, Connor, uh, which is Josh Jacobs just, being so ineptly and inefficient with his opportunities and Kenyon Drake being, you know, 29 and busted. Um, if this is my, my theory with Zamir white, everybody wants to talk about these ACLs, which have been held up for four years, but any or three years anyway, um, if they hold up on the NFL level, I see them putting in with a complimentary position at running back, whether it be through free agency or through the stacked 2023 class that we have been talking about and dipping their hands in uh, in a early day to talent like Zamir White and pairing them up like that. I don't see them pairing them up with like a Bijan Robinson type of back unless his running back, unless his knees are looking like they're not going to be holding up. Um, what do you think, Connor? I agree. I, I mean, he had a good spot. I think there's a there is a world where they can make that split work, kind of like the Georgia situation. Him and James Cook worked extremely well together. If you can find your third down change of pace back early day three next season, like you said, there's a real opportunity that they can split, but it would be an efficient and optimal split. Because he did it in Georgia. Georgia, He doesn't need to necessarily have the lion's share of the work. He did really well as, you know, the first down, second down back, as, as the just the main drive the pile back. And that can sometimes be the, I know we talk about PPR and one in that point per reception and that change of pace back. But sometimes having that guy who can push a pile like James Conner proved this past season, if you're in a good enough offense, you get a lot of touchdowns. And a lot of touchdowns, although we say touchdowns are, are not a sticky stat, those, those, it is something that you have to look at when you're considering a guy like Zamir White who might be splitting time in a backfield. Is he going to get the work that equals touchdowns? Then I'm okay with it. But if you're just a Ramondre Stevenson, who we're going to talk about later on, where 
you're not getting the touchdowns. Damian Harris was getting all the touchdowns. You're not get like, I don't want the push the pile back. That's pushing the pile in the middle of the field and generating a couple extra yards. <laughs> so that's my take on Zamir White. If he's going to work the red zone and can be that guy in the red zone and can create there, I'm the split is fine. And the split makes a ton of sense to me. Absolutely. And actually I was in a, I was in a rookie draft. Um, with with some pretty sharp dudes. Uh, I was picking 202. I tried to move down to like 206, 208 range to grab Zamira White. Nothing was popping that I could that I could make happen. I sat there and I really contemplated Zamira White. Do I think he'll make it to 302 or James Cook? And I took. Zamir White, because he's like my guy, and I'm planting my flag on him. I feel really shitty if I didn't get him because he popped at like 208, 209 range. Um, and right after him, James Cook went, and I was like, Holy fuck, like this is this is getting tight, man. And I'm like, maybe, and I thought and I even said on the message board, I'm like, I thought solely about James Cook strictly for um trade value, actually, because I don't actually believe in the James Cook Buffalo Bills situation. I love the offense. I don't like that piece of the pie for him, though. They've mm-hmm. already shown that I have a capable back in Devin Singletary. But I uh, I am alluding to too much, and I, I seem to be ranting. So I'm just going to stop myself short on that one. Let's move right on to the next loser that I think is a loser, Elijah Mitchell. Um, sure is. I think perhaps... We talked Michael Carter as being a big loser based on some of the ADP movement, but I think Elijah Mitchell is probably a way bigger loser than Michael Carter. The San Francisco 49er running back carousel looks to set to continue moving after the pick of Dar- Tarion Davis Price. Day two draft capital on this. This was at pick 29 of the third round. The 49ers. You mean he wasn't a uh, seventh round pick? Or a six no, round that, pick. No, that's the only thing for that could work in Elijah Mitchell's favor is that Elijah Mitchell is a late round, prove it, you know, capital that Shanahan loves to brag about. The 49ers have not had the same lead in rusher in back to back seasons since 2016 17. Carlos Hyde. Based on the state to investment in TDP, I'm not convinced Mitchell stops this streak. I think the streak's continuing, and there very well may be another lead in Russia in San Francisco this season. What are your thoughts, Jim? Uh, my thoughts are exactly that. Uh, I've been baffled, baffled for months on this Elijah Mitchell love. Uh, I said it many times in private chats and on this podcast that reaches the dozens of people that want to listen to it. Um, <laughs> that Elijah Mitchell was a screaming sell that Shanahan couldn't really uh couldn't really give us that. He's like the mini Bill Belichick, except now Bill Belichick's actually giving you one guy. I go, they're gonna keep just keep rolling the next guy. I'm like, and I said, I go, what like why isn't it uh what was that other guy? Joe Mitchell, and then there was uh the leg pumping guy, Jeff Wilson Jr. Jeff you know Wilson, I mean? I'm like, poster. there's been right, right. a different guy. Yeah, I'm like, I go, I go, why, I go, why can't it be another guy next year? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, they found our guy. I'm like, what? I'm like, isn't he like a seventh round guy? I'm like, not shitting on you. Cause like, I'm a no round guy. So like, I'm like, aren't you like a seventh round guy uh, with zero commitment? to you at all through this organization besides a hearty handshake and thank you for what you did in 2021. I agree. And, and the crazy thing is I'm lo- I'm looking at ADP right now. Elijah Mitchell is going as the 23rd running back off the board. Here are a couple names going right after him. AJ Dillon, Ezekiel Elliott, James Connor, Michael Carter, Miles Sanders. Kareem Hunt, just to name a few names that have fallen right behind him or within the next 15 positions after him at the running back position. I would take so many more of these guys later on 
and let somebody right? else take the shot on Elijah Mitchell. Any Miles Sanders doesn't even have the job security, but it, but like I would probably Is take that the shot on him. Pre-draft though. Are those pre-draft drafts as well? This is year to date. This is from January right up until like today, May 17th. So there could be some. Give me a quick favor. Run it, run it from uh, like May 1st. No, this is May 1st. Or April. When was the draft? April 20th. May 1st would be the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Run it from May 1st post draft. Elijah Mitchell, 26. Oh, so he dropped three spots. Three spots. The good. only the people who creeped now, ahead of him. Did anybody James Cook, Zeke Elliott, and James Conner were the three that got ahead of him? Okay, well, listen, I'm I'm happy that at least Zeke made it ahead of him. Uh, I'm still a little <laughs> upset on where Zeke is. Uh man, the mighty have fallen. Uh oh, shit. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's all I really gotta say about about the 49ers running backs is uh you should have never trusted him to begin with. The writing was on the wall. He was a massive cell window, and now that's so slam shut. Besides that, all you other motherfuckers, I don't think should have really dangled on Trey Lance because rumors are he's struggling too. Uh, for the win. Ouch. Next up, we are <laughs> staying up within the division and going to the Chris Carson and Rashad Penny show, who were also significant losers this past weekend. The Seahawks are likely going to be pretty bad this season. They do love their running backs, but this idea that they love to run is not something that is necessarily overly true. Uh, The last couple seasons, they've become increasingly bad in the offensive plays category as a whole. So yes, statistically, they run the ball more by a percentage perspective, but the amount of actual physical touches a running back is getting have declined significantly. Um, last season alone, 24.3 run plays per game down from 25.6 in 2020. They did have two major spikes in 18 and 19, but have since declined significantly. Carson is effective when healthy, but rarely healthy. He, there's a high likelihood that the the Walker move may very well be spelling the end of his time because they can save $3.1 million by cutting him. Penny proved super effective for four games in a huge playoff stretch at the age of the ripe young age of 26 years old as a running back after an extremely disappointing career filled with injuries and only nine fantasy relevant games in total he earned a one-year contract he's locked in for 2022 but that's it and how effective can he truly be over a 17 game stretch is definitely clearly answered by the fact that they gave a very short one-year contract to Rashad Penny, and they're not buying the hype that there was for Rashad Penny. So, Jim, what are your thoughts on this Seattle Seahawks situation? Obviously, we're big Kenneth Walker fans. We've talked highly of Kenneth Walker. We think he should be like 102, 103, almost unanimously. So Yeah, you stupid motherfuckers, because I was grabbing him at like 106 pre-draft, man which was awesome. Malik Willis was still going in the 103s, the 104s, and I was getting Kenneth Walker at 106. Now you douche pickles are making me trade up to 102 to get the guy. Um, But he's number three of these running backs that I said we were going to talk about today that I think will have a job significantly in 2023. And he's actually a guy that I don't think, again, if he does the dipsy-doodle-dandy and ends up taking out that uh, Chris Carson role – the only guy I think that's going to be brought in to, to run with him is going to be uh compliment pass catching style back. And that can be maybe a free agency like guy. Everyone ends up looking to the draft, looking to the draft, looking to the draft. Like there's also there's also free agency that happens. And I love that fucking fact that you kicked out there, Connor, saying that this uh hypothetical, not hypothetical, this um perception false. Yeah, false perception on the on the run on the run scheme there with with Seattle. So so many people are looking at just like the run to pass split percentage and seeing oh look it went up sixty three percent oh it went up sixty four percent sixty five percent whatever. But they're not actually looking at the total amount of plays run uh, and run by the running back and like you're saying the plays per game it is dropping and that's significant too. And this offense, what the fuck's it going to look like? It's not Russell Wilson helmet. 
as I've been shitting on Pittsburgh this entire time with with the hyping of Najee and and Deontay. Like, listen, I love Deontay, awesome, but uh, everybody wanted to shit on all noodle nar- or noodle arm fucking Big Ben there. Uh, but you know what doesn't go there was was his mind. He could audible out of of many situations. So if I'm praising that there with the Mitch Trubisky being a downgrade in the mental attitude or mental aspect of the game, you got to also suggest that uh, the guy that was twerking and dancing on the sidelines uh, instead of studying the playbook after he was throwing interceptions, Drew Locke, um, is definitely a mental downgrade from from Russell Wilson. As an AFC West fan-loving team in the Kansas City Chiefs, didn't like it. Did not like this draft that ended up happening. Did not like this free agency period. Everybody got better. Um, significantly better in that division. Uh, Very yeah, much so. Yeah, but 56 total plays. They ranked dead last in yeah, plays, absolutely. offensive plays run. 56. They were three whole plays behind Atlanta and Houston per game and like you think that's gonna pick up a drew lock or go down with drew lock or stay the same with drew lock maybe with the same i think would be a big win like maybe with a negative game script you get back to where you were in 2020 which was 63 maybe you pick up those seven plays offensive plays per game you lost but it can't get that much better not under drew lock i could suspect some a lot more turnovers a lot more lost offensive possessions that way so Kenneth Walker is one to look to to 2023, but dynasty ADP post draft. He's going as the RB 11, man. That's RB 11. That's wild. Let's name the top 12 for me. Connor post draft. Aye, aye, captain. Jonathan (laughs) Taylor, Najee Harris, Javonta Williams. Brees Hall is four. He actually gained his spot in the post draft type. Whoa, 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 What the who's it's are your two and three? Najee and Javonta Williams. Najee and Devonte. This is in my rankings. This is ADP. No, no, I'm sorry. That was the wrong word. That's uh, that's no, that's that's the rankings that are happening as as the top twelve. Yep. Holy shit. Christian oh, McCaffrey, five, DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Kenneth Walker, and Nicholas <gasps> Chubb wrap up the Wait, top was Derrick Henry top 10? He was 10? He was 10. 10. He was 10. <gasps> I can't oh believe God. the respect is actually there for him at 10. I can't believe the disrespect is there for him at fucking 10. This motherfucker was like RB6 for five weeks after he was out. Like, Get out! He was still like, <laughs> what did he end up finishing? I think he like was RB still a top twelve RB, yeah, and he missed he half a, a season. I think he was RB ten. Like, like you motherfuckers are putting him at his absolute floor. And you're sitting there. You look at the. You look at exactly what they did in Tennessee. They did nothing to say. Yeah, we're going to move away from Derrick Henry. They did everything to say. Yeah, Derrick Henry's He's the biggest carry winner. That damn ball twenty times a game. Still right, right. We're going to beat the shit out of the fucking team. And in the fourth quarter, you're going to do your Derrick Henry, seven fucking guy, stiff arm, 72 yard <laughs> run and poster six dudes on the way. Like, that's what you're going to do. That's what we always do by like week six. It'll happen. Like you're going to just poster everybody. It's probably going to be Jacksonville. You're going to be fucking bouncing dudes <laughs> off the ground. Like it's going out of style. <laughs> like, that is so I feel so bad for those teams in the AFC South who will have to suffer through that to wrap up their season. Like, but what do let's you do, man. Quarter one, you run at him and like I want to get him, <laughs> maybe, and he like just smashes fresh those. legs. Then like quarter four, you're like, all right, like I'm woozy, he's woozy, we got it. No, he's still beating the shit out of you, man. Run right through you. But let's wrap up our loser running backs because I think this is a good one to wrap it up with. And then we'll rapid fire go through the winners. The New England Patriots running backs. Bunch of You kind of alluded to it. The the mess continues to be made by Bill Belichick. Blows my mind that you go into a draft and you draft two running backs. Oh, does it? Does it? It it does, but it shouldn't, right? (laughs) Is like, that right? I don't think it really fucking blows my mind that they did that. Um, um, what only so, shocked me more was that they like didn't take massive swings on wide receiver again. 
Like mm, I expected that's true. massive multiple swings on wide receiver and then like just avoid that guy. But you <laughs> instead you probably Jacoby Myers remains this incredible value. And Absolutely. Evan Bourne with like a twenty six percent target share, this motherfucker's gonna eat. And Evan Bourne, the red zone machine for them, like is probably just this flex play that you'll be able to get as your like eighth or tenth wide receiver off the board. But enough about the wide receivers, the running backs. It's a quantity of Shit a quality circumstance. Backs. They added Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. They re-signed James White. They already have Damian Harris and the Ramondre Stevenson hype train. That's pretty quiet now. The team ranked 12th in run plays per game last season at 27. Harrison Ramondre led the backfield with a 48 and 39% opportunity share, respectively. Both had very similar yards per touch and yards per carry numbers, ranking between 18 and 25. So don't get me wrong. They were pretty effective as a a duo. It's about finding who is going to be most effective. Stevenson... Stevenson had five games as a top 24 RB. Harris finished the last five straight games as a top as a top 24 RB and had nine games total. If I were to pick a guy that you should still have out of that backfield, I'm going with Damian Harris, but the injury risk is there. But if I'm picking anyone out of this list of five running backs right now, it's going to be Damian Harris. Really? That's the guy, eh? What's his ADP? Um, well, I'm staring at Pierre Strong at an ADP of 35. Okay, gun in my head. Give me James White, motherfucker. James White, definitely, because James White plays a very specific role that he was playing super well before he got injured. Like, sure he was. got a bunch of targets. He does nothing in the run game. But what did we say Don't earlier about the times 1.6 on a yeah. target? And a very effective better. guy. With those targets yep. as well. And a very effective guy that knows the fucking New England system. That's the other thing. Like, everybody's trying to say, like, uh, the Mac Jones is just going to take over the Tom Brady era. And, you know what I mean? And, like, there's no real massive bumps and transitions in that offense, right? We're just going to we're gonna keep it going, keep it efficient, keep exactly what the defense is going to give us. If they're going to give us a few shots over the top, we're going to take them. If not, we're going to pick them apart. Pick, pick and pick them apart through the dink and dunks and the dump offs of the running back situation. And it continues like that. And James White can do it. I understand he's like 31, 32, whatever, 29, something like that. But he's in a role that the age doesn't matter. Shouldn't matter. No. Shouldn't matter. Just the, the juice. And he got, I think he got a two year contract. So that kind of speaks volumes too, that it wasn't one year. They're bringing this guy back for two years. Absolutely. Uh, That's the guy that, that I think is, Oh, and you'll be able to get him as like he'll be the, the last. Losers. He'll be the last running back off the board in that offense. Hundred percent. Oh, brother, you can grab him like weekend. after after everything's happened. Your waiver riders are probably already running when your league started right now. If you've had your rookie drafts, you probably had two or three waiver wires run, and I guarantee you, in probably seventy-two percent of your leagues. I don't know why I said two, but I'm going with seventy-two. 72% of your leagues, I bet you right now, if you look for James White, he is available on your waiver wire. And if he is not, he could probably be had for easily 2023-3, I would say. Easy. I think you could probably go even less. Like after yeah, maybe. everything that happened, you, if you do four or five rounds in a, in your rookie draft, you can probably See, I don't, get it I even don't really less. accept them. Right? I'm like, ah, fourth, fifth, whatever. Fuck it. True. I ain't taking that. But, but before we move into the winners, quick word from our sponsors at Reading Global. Here at the Gold hey, Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here, means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family. A family of the Fantasy Collective. And that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. ViridianGlobal.com And onward and upward to the winners. I put... The existing bell cows that got big money. 
because obviously we kind of alluded to the value on Ezekiel Elliott. He's going as a tail end RB2 and has yeah. never finished outside RB1. Never finished outside RB1. But people are still living and dying on Tony Pollard is going to take shares. No. TP. No, st- like, stop. I'll take Zeke as my second running back all day, every day at the value you're going to get him at at this point. Um, Absolutely. So I put the existing bell cows. Can, wait, can I do one quick diversion here? Because yes. it's going to allude to the NFC East as a total and the Eagles as a whole. How much different do you find Kenneth Gainwell from Tony Pollard? Not even situation that Situation and style. No, but like th- in usage, so yeah. diff- not different at all. They're... they're, they're Thank you. Almost identical. Thank you. They which running back do you role. think? Which running back do you think is easier to usurp as it would be, Miles Sanders or Zeke? Miles Sanders. Zeke's Thank got you. an ass so load. Why of the money fuck there. is nobody talking about Gainwell in the in the Pollard way? You know what I mean? And the, the, I think it's important to point out Miles Sanders did not get his fifth year option exercised either. Sure didn't. All the more reason. To think this was the number one Russian offense and they don't have an RB1. No, that's going to be addressed in 2023. They're like the screaming candidate for the Bijan. They're actually building nice for you, Connor. If they mm-hmm. keep with their quarterback and they keep giving them tools and they go with a high end big guy, you're looking sexy, baby. In that yeah, if you don't, if they don't have to end up addressing the quarterback position next year in the draft and they can keep those two for a save next year. I can see Bijan Robinson in a cornerback. I can right? see. It. I think it's very realistic, and I've actually. And then it goes seen, from NFC least to NFC beast. And, and I've you guys actually are pumping. seen Bijan Robinson in multiple, not one, multiple mock drafts. Bijan Robinson to the Philadelphia. Well, how many Eagles, of them were done by Connor one. Donald? Not me. Zero by me. Zero <laughs> by me. I have done none of these mock drafts. But um, yeah, back, man. Like I'm saying, it's getting sexy. Point. But yeah. Sorry, the about existing not, bell cows that got big yeah. money, that is why money talks, contracts talk. And I am referencing Zeke. I am referencing Mixon. And assuming his his uh, legal issues get figured out, I am saying Alvin Kamara as well. Those guys got big Alvin money for a reason. Man, Alvin Kamara's startup value has gone plummeted. He's down below 20 for drafts. Because oh, of the no, legal situation. Crazy. Like that, this is what we're talking about. These guys got big money. These, these teams are tied to them. They're not just going to cut these guys loose. They're going to run them into the damn ground. So Zeke's one of them. Joe Mixon's the other one. Joe Mixon finally had his year. He finally had his coming out. He's been up and down. A top 10 back for volume with limited competition, with zero competition. Samaji P. Ryan is not really competition. He had 10 of 16 weeks as a top 24 running back. Seven of those were in the top five. Minus his injury shortened 2020, which he would have been an RB2 in points per game. He has had three straight seasons as an RB2 or better in per game output. The high scoring offense is there to sustain the touchdown spike of 2021. And the volume is there for a fourth straight 1100 yard season for him. Minus his injury season. I love it, man. Uh, what else I like about Joe Mixon, and it's like not really kind of talked about, is his age. Like he's a young second contract running back. Um, shared workload with Samaj P. Ryan all the way through Oklahoma. Now you know they're they're reunited and feels so good. Except now they got uh, a sexy sexy quarterback throwing the ball to. Uh, three fantastic wide receivers, by the way. Lost a little bit in that tight end room, but I don't think it's really going to affect him. Um, he's a guy I'm sneakily grabbing. Did a rookie – or not a rookie draft. Did a draft uh, recently, a 10-round ten, ten startup there with uh, with Justin Chase and, and Coach Craig there. And I was looking, staring at Mixon – uh, at the back end, back end of the one man, and like it felt pretty good. I ended up going a different route because uh, it just fell that way to me. But like the the value was there on him; it was looking looking really good. Absolutely, like 
Mixon was one of those guys that you probably should have been there on when the hype was there and everybody was talking about the injuries and like a lot of those injuries were not related. A lot of those injuries were just freak injuries and the guy kept coming back. The guy kept producing from a fantasy perspective. It just really didn't feel like the concern was warranted. It's just you had to have patience and people were just becoming really impatient with him and giving up on him. But then the Jamar Chase pick happened. The offense is fully loaded and they got they kind of fixed the offensive line a little bit. And look how effective he was last season. Seven times in the top five. Like, that's crazy. And well, and over 50% of the time producing top 24 weeks for you. Sure, there might have been five or six weeks where you were sitting there and you were like, ah, he's doing this to me. But what running back doesn't do that to you once in a while? Has that flop game? So to me, like right now his ADP is going with the post-draft hype as the RB eight. And I'd be more than comfortable taking them there that this ADP puts him at 32. So he's, he, he's kind of like that. That's like the start of the third round that you begin Joe Mixon. I'd be more than willing to make him be my first running back. Absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, I thought about it. I thought about it a lot, actually. Uh, in another startup draft I was doing, I thought about it. I was in the back end of the 10. I ended up, oh, I couldn't believe it. I ended up hitting Swift uh, at 10 and then doubling back for Aaron Jones. Uh, like it. Anyway, that uh, that's a different one. Um, more winners. More winners? Yeah, let's talk about these winners, man. David Montgomery. I understand the uh, offensive circumstance, but let me just rattle it off here. Montgomery has been an RB1 in points per game now for two straight seasons. RB12 last season, RB6 the year prior. In back-to-back seasons, he's seen top five snap and opportunity share, averaging 21 points per game over the last, or 21 opportunities per game over the last two seasons. Efficiency metrics aren't great, but the volume is there and still no competition. Nothing. Despite, you know, the Khalil Herbert and everyone thought that that was competition and they'd start to take away from David Montgomery. Well, they were wrong. They, they did not touch David Montgomery. 20 out of 28 games, he's been an RB2 or better over the last two seasons. He can be added as your second or third RB with an ADP of RB19. Jim, it is a contract year. So, I mean, that is something to bear in mind. But otherwise, David Montgomery. Um, he's another guy that I, I like as a talent. Yeah. <clears throat> so, sorry about that. Um, David Montgomery is a guy that I like as a talent. I do not like the situation in in Chicago as a whole. Uh, I feel like they're trying to set up Justin Fields for failure. <gasps> Am I allowed to say that? I agree. Um, I mean, I think, I think I had even said this last week too. Yeah, you did. You did absolutely. Uh, this is not a new idea uh, for sure. Um, but it feels very like Tennessee Titans Marcus Mariota ish. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get this guy out. Forget it. Not working out. Let, let's tell the fans, oh, we gave him two or three years. We can't give him any more. Yeah. Look at this draft class. We got to move on. And they've basically done that. You got Darnell Mooney. You got David Montgomery. You got Cole Komet, who inhales targets, but doesn't really produce much with those targets. And that's that's it. You got what Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, Velas Jones, who they drafted, who is really more of a return guy versus an actual receiver. Like, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. And because of that, the rushing game is going to suffer. When you're not threatened by the passing game, what's stopping you from really stuffing the box? Not much. The only thing is the, you know, mobile quarterback. But yeah, again, but still, that's still bringing guys into the box. It's not leaving mm-hmm. them for high safeties. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. agreed. They would, it's such a weird circumstance. Like, at least, like, you would think they would have made the effort to at least set even the next quarterback that they're going to move on to up for success. But you're literally going to have to pick your offense up the dead offense buried six feet underground. You have to lift them out. 
and rebuild them from scratch with the quarterback. Like you need to start with the quarterback, get him the wide receivers, get him a new running back. Like you have Darnell Mooney is probably about the safest thing in that offense outside of that. And even then, like this guy can be triple covered, quote, like double, triple covered. Because who else is he going to throw the ball to? That's a well, running a rob out of town was was terrible, an atrocity, atrocity. Like that's just a sound. Like if I feel bad for Bears fans, I really feel bad for Bears fans in this circumstance. But I do give you a winner in David Montgomery. But like you said, the box is going to be stacked. The, it's he's gonna look like Leonard Fournette of three years ago, where you sit there and you beat your head against the wall as a guy runs into the box and gets decimated on 15 carries and then explodes for an 80 yard touchdown on run one carry. But he the doesn't box score speed. saves your ass. He doesn't Ooh. have the speed. Like that's the thing. He's not like Leonard Fournette. He doesn't have the speed. He's not like Derrick Henry. You know what? You never see Derrick Henry get caught from behind. That's true. This is true. You don't. When he breaks a run, he breaks a run. And then he takes good angles, and he never gets caught from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this last guy, though, Connor. Because this guy it's is very a guy interesting. Most- You're mm-hmm. calling him a winner. I'm calling him 50-50, kind of a loser. Uh, let's let's get this popping now. Wow. I, I call him a winner. I understand sure the do. value to get him is a bit more is 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 touchy. But this Kate, before we dive into him, oh, I was gonna say, before we dive in and tell people, but that's okay. Before we dive in, if you had him rostered, would you roll with him for 2022 or would you trade him for the perceived value that you could get for him? If the perceived value coming from that person is good, I'd trade him like the perceived value of him right now, which is what? What's what? What's the average getting for? For Travis Etienne right now. Based off of ADP startup, at least one first. It's got to be a first. So would you roll them for 2022 or would you take the 2023 first? I'd take the 2023 first. Me too. Absolutely. But are you still, to me, he's still a winner. winner. He's still a winner post-draft because of what he could produce. I saw the post from uh, Edwin Porras, good friend of the show. He will be on later on this offseason. He said, James Robinson probably mid mid October is like the early, like that's the nine month early cutoff, probably unlikely that he's going to pop in that early um, and return. So then you got Travis Etienne and Snoop Connor, who is getting so much, so much late round flyer hype, which is fine. If you're in a fourth rounder or fifth rounder, he's a waiver wire. I don't, I'm fine with it, but I'm not buying this. There's people who are saying, Oh, they traded up for him in the fifth round. There's something there. Stop. Stop. You're calling a trade-up. Are we at this point in the fantasy world where we're calling a trade-up on day three into the fifth round hey. as something you need to watch? Hey, what was James Robinson drafted, my man? Undrafted. Oh, UDFA. he wasn't. UDFA. I know he wasn't. I know he wasn't. Do you know what about him, though? Like, I've told the story about the running back. you told the story. Yes, you've told Yeah, exactly. Story. That didn't happen with Snoop Connor. So, like, but draft capital means nothing. And James Robinson is the reason why I think ETN is a loser. So even if you get him back by October and he's like six games in and you miss six games out of what? 18? Mm. Seven, right? 17, six, really? Because of the 17, yeah. Right? That's fine. It's That's definitely fine. fine, but. When are you going to have him, though? You're going to we... have him for, for your playoff role. He's shown it, time it, and time again. Good. He's not coming back Robert. from any just any injury here. So I don't care. My my issue here is James like especially Travis Etienne again. We talked about the value of a pass catching back, and that is what he's most effective in. So even here's if, what worries me the most, though. None of these guys, whether you want to argue James Robinson or Travis Etienne on either side of the coin, are this regime's guy. This regime didn't draft either one of those guys. But what does that say about them drafting the way they drafted and f- using free agency the way they use free agency to not? I think it means that, that they believe the in, in the one two position punch of Travis Etienne to roll them in early with a little bit of help Robinson. from Snoop 
and James Robinson to come in and give him a little bit of fresh legs week seven, week eight, right? And and keep those to keep that machine pumping. Remember, I man, they don't give a fuck about fantasy. Mm-hmm. We do, but they don't. No, they definitely don't. I but I think it spoke volumes that they didn't opt to address running back at all. At all. They let Carlos Hyde go because he was an Urban Meyer guy and whatever that is, what it is. But they didn't address it at all, minus Snoop Connor dropping a fifth round pick on Snoop Connor and bringing him in as a second back to Travis Etienne. So I think I felt like that spoke volumes. And he, I mean, to be honest, he still represents the best running back option in that room, minus maybe James Robinson when James Robinson comes back. And, but then you can argue they play two very different roles. Travis Etienne plays that third down role. But I think he contributes the most early on. So you could flip him. Arguably, you could flip him. But I mean, you're you're sitting there and you're relying on the early return date of James if he Robinson. Shits the bed week one and two, and you're not flipping him uh, early, like right now, from now to week one. I think if you're not flipping ETN from now to week one, and he shits the bed, you're left holding him. He's a straight speed guy to me. There's, there's, there is a chance that that happens, and I agree with you on that point that you could be stuck holding him, and but that's why you take the shot now. If you have the chance to move the guy now, you probably take that shot. If you can get a first round value for the for Travis Etienne, I'm gonna make that move any day. I mean, you and me both alluded to it. We would make that move in a heartbeat, and that to me, like. He's a winner because of how they chose to address the position, I think, but it doesn't necessarily mean for fantasy purposes that he is a surefire winner, especially, like you said, this isn't the regime's running back. There, it, there was the first-round draft capital invested in Travis Etienne, so they do have the fifth-year option, so maybe they're going to hold on, hope that maybe they can use him, they can leverage him, they can run him into the ground like other running backs through those first five years, and it is what it is after that. But that's tough to say right now because we need to see what that regime is going to do with Travis Etienne and with James Robinson. And Snoop Connor to me is a unicorn. That's just a rare, you know, a lot. You're praying for the Elijah Mitchell or James Rob Robinson type hype opportunity. But Elijah Mitchell and James Robinson had very different opportunities than Snoop Connor had. Snoop Connor's opportunity, he's coming in duking it out with the Travis Etienne. Elijah Mitchell wasn't necessarily coming in duking it out with anybody except the guys that got injured leading up to the season. And when James Robinson got signed as a UDFA, he was fighting what Raquel Armstead. And uh, and then they then they traded Leonard Fournette. Remember, he was the man. He was the man and reason why Jacksonville or sorry mm-hmm. released Leonard Fournette. Yep. And then you got Lambo Lenny. Yep. There's there's Trav, Trav joining. I, I especially like this coming coming from an Eagles fan. ETM fits I, yeah. great with Dougie P and Big Balls. Doug has never been accused of running his RBs into the ground. This is definitely true. Um, yeah, I'll give him that absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, if you look back at the past with how Doug Peterson uses tight ends and how he uses running backs, I mean, Dan Arnold should intrigue you at this point. Travis Etienne should really intrigue you because of that, but the price of that cost of acquisition for Travis Etienne is pretty expensive. Dan Arnold should be intriguing you as we run off topic and get two weeks ahead of ourselves on the tight ends, just solely because of who's throwing them the ball and the lack of other options. We're going to be catching the ball, especially in the red zone, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's cheap Green. as fuck, cheap AF, as the kids would say. Lit. <laughs> I love it. But that's it. That is the winners, the losers, and a lot of discussion about were they a winner or were they a loser? But at the end of the day, the landscape, the lay of the landscape at the running back position is one that is ab- constantly debated and talked about. Yeah, Travis. Evan Ingram sucks. Evan Ingram too. But yeah, I, I at least Dan Arnold will probably stay healthy and Evan Ingram probably won't. Man, the man has been chirped by Roseanne. Dan Arnold. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no cap. The kids do say the no cap. And like that, no cap.
no cap no cap jim um but this has been awesome jim we talked a lot of running backs we talked a lot of our skepticism about the running back position and some names to look out for um but this has been awesome thank you everyone for joining us for listening and watching drop a rating a review the thumbs up if you're watching on youtube um and shout out to all the wonderful sponsors, of course. Uh, that would be uh, Underdog Fantasy that we kicked off the show with, Viridian Global that got the middle section of the show, and as always, Trophy Smack. Make sure you use that promo code TNFF at purchase, and you will get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy, a ring, or a trophy, another ring, a, a chain, uh, a belt, whatever you want to buy for your league. Um Shout out to True North Fantasy Football, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, TNFF Network on YouTube. Check that, check those all out. Make sure you're subscribing and following wherever. Follow Jim at GoldJacketQBs. Follow myself at Connor10TEN. Next week, we are going to be talking winners and losers post-draft of the wide receiver position. But until then, we will see you next Tuesday. That spells it. This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life.